Extry, Extry, welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions, and today's question is, is this... You know, we're in a rising moment in our country. You know, the, like, America specifically has a very specific relationship with labor unions. And uh, is this what the labor union needs? Just a little, a little singing and dancing? Is that it? Is, is that what it is? Is that, yeah. is that the thing that we need? It's interesting you use the word rising moment to I describe America <laughs> right now. Not free falling. I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I wish I knew. Also, okay, another sort of second question: What is it with musical theater and Santa Fe? Because between like this and yes, between this and rents, I'm just like I don't know what it is with characters fascinating. Like I wrote that down can, too. I wonder if like did did Larson write watch this movie and he was like, yeah, Santa Fe. That's where right, they all yeah, open a restaurant because this came first. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Have either of you all been to Santa Fe before? Nope. No. Great. Cool. <laughs> Got you on mic. Fantastic. All right. Let's jump into things. Let's dive into things. Welcome. We're continuing the Disney season. We're covering all of them wild film to stage Disney adaptations. And we've hit. Uh, this is this definitely isn't our first live action one, right? That would be Mary Poppins. Uh, but yep. it's one of the few live action ones. Uh, it's 1992's Nizzies, directed by Kenny Ortega and its subsequent uh, 2012 musical theater adaptation with a book by Harvey Firestein, music by Alan Menken, and lyrics by Jack Feldman. Uh, as always, our wonderful producer and editor, Bran Moorhead, is here. Hello, Bran. Hello. Just imagine I'm either like shooting a marble out of a slingshot <laughs> or spinning way too many times, way too fast on a newspaper. A lot of spins. A lot of spins. A lot of turns. A lot of hats. The hat budget. A lot of hats and vests. A lot of hats. both products. The hat budget on this thing. And joining mm -hmm. us for this episode, um, I'm just giddy and excited to have a very funny writer, a very funny comedian, a very funny human being, uh, Hope Rehack. She's here. Oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. Yes, trying to feel funny again. It, the good news is the movie does so much work for us. So, like, <laughs> I don't think it well, really speaks for itself. Well, okay. And so I so hope what I like to do at the top of each episode is I sort of like to pin a thesis, right? Because we're, obviously we're, we're going to be talking about these two things. But, you know, this is a podcast about adaptation. So I like to sort of, like, put pin my thesis of sort of, like, overarching like what are we doing today what are we talking about today um one because adaptation's a weird thing right and especially within the disney ecosphere right because for the most part is it is an act of, of capitalism right is an act of further monetization of product um and that's obviously been a huge hallmark of the disney musical theater empire um but i think this adaptation is a really interesting, uh, and we've come upon this in, in uh, previous episodes, but I think this is a really interesting look as the act of adaptation, as an act of reclamation. Because Newsies, the film, famously was a flop. It was famously a critical and commercial flop. It sort of, obviously, it got this following, this cult following over the years, but 
I feel like this musical adaptation was kind of like a, a yeah, sort of like taking back this property and being like, we'll show you, Mr. Pulitzer, we'll turn this into a, a pretty okay show. Uh, and <laughs> that's, and so I'm interested to sort of dive into sort of like, because I feel like, I, I'll hot take coming up. I think this is one of those shows where I think the musical adaptation is better than the movie. I actually think they they succeeded. I think they succeeded in 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 that pursuit. Um, so I'm excited to dig into that. That's my take, and we'll, we'll yeah. I, I, okay, I know. And yeah, we don't. We do not have to be a podcast united. We don't. That's no completely fine if we have different opinions uh, across the board. I think the musical's better too. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't have a strong take on this. I'm actually like, I have to get it out of the way that I'm like so new to these properties that sure. it's like it's it's not that I'm too young. Although I'd love to lie and say that that's the case. That's like a thing I've been doing lately is like <laughs> lying about my age and being like, Oh, newsies before my time. But it's very much like a thing that people our age do have a relationship to. And I have to say I was very insulated from it until very recently, like two weeks ago. So I watched still... it for the first time. Yeah. Last night and this morning. Okay. So, them. so we're on the same page because I'm mm-hmm. very much like still processing oh, my feelings. And oh yeah. Still, no, like, no, no, no. This is, it. this is ve- the, the movie is very new to me. I saw, I actually saw the stage show when it was in Chicago. This must have been, uh, like 2015, 2016, whenever it toured through here a few years ago. Um, ah. I, I won front row through the lottery. Um, and I, I entered it literally on a lock. I entered it like as a, not as a bit, but it was like, it literally like was closing in like a minute. And I saw that there was like an entry thing and I was like, yeah, why not? And I put my name in and I won. (laughs) It's front row tickets. (laughs) Um, but, and so that was my first encounter. And then, yeah, there is a filmed version of it that's showing on Disney plus. And I watched that this morning. Um, Either way, let's let's pull back a little bit. Uh, hope I want to, because I actually, I'm curious because I actually don't know this. I want to go really broad here. What is what is your relationship with musical theater, just as a genre, as a medium? I would say I would if I had to label it, I would say groupie. Um, Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. So like you know that's like the where I where I pulled high school boyfriends from mm-hmm. and college boyfriends from and friends now from. Um, but I think it's, it's almost Oedipal because my mom was a musical theater actress sure. in, in the eighties. <laughs> and so I think there was like this tiny part of me for a really long time that thought like, that's what you did. Like in your twenties, you became a musical theater actress in New York, but that <laughs> was like never going to be my trajectory. I have no background in dancing or singing or sure. acting, God forbid. And so, and I'm bad at all, most of those things. And so um, <laughs> I just, I just enjoy it as like a, as like an audience, but like as a person who's always been adjacent, do you know what I mean? Like it's very present. It's not exclusively fandom. It's also like the people around me are doing it. Some of the people around me are very good at it. Um, And I think I appreciate it at that. Like, I'm going to be a snob and say Sondheim finishing the hat level. But sure. not like performer level. Like I can't that, quite get there. That's fair. That's totally fair. I know I've been following your journey with Schmigadoon as well. I know you've been uh, uh really into that, which I get. I what get. A, what a journey it's been. I don't know. I mean, have I been really into it or has it been the only size of media at 
six 30 minute episodes I could process recently. <laughs> I think that's really what it is. It's I don't want to like fully endorse it. It was just like, it hit right. You know, it hit at the right time. Yeah. And uh, Jaime uh, Cahill is pretty, uh, what, what's that at lovely actor's oh my name? Yeah. God. Oh my God. Yeah. That also hit right. Like I knew that I would objectify Keegan-Michael Key because he was performing on Second City stage when I was like in middle school. Sure. So, wow. And my, my elementary school was very close, two blocks from Second City and went to see a lot of him at a very pubescent time. So like knew I had a sort of psychosexual <laughs> relationship with Keegan-Michael Key. Did not expect, did not know how I'd feel about, I don't know how to say his name, Aaron Tveit, Aaron Tveit. Aaron Tveit, yeah. My God. Okay, religious you, experience. You can't tame him. You cannot tame oh. him. My God, like I knew who he was. Obviously, I'd only ever read his name. I'd never seen him perform. I knew a lot of people had a lot of things for him. But that was that was a moment. And then, yeah, the Jaime Cahill, yeah. that was also a moment. I was very happy at the um, what what I've been um, lately trained to call the androphilic gaze, which is the gaze that objectifies a male form or a masculine presentation. And I really like this word and I'm using it for everything because that's what I appreciate about Schmigadoon. Great. It's $10 word for the day, androphilic. 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 The gaze, the gaze that sexualizes that kind of person. You can't say we're life. not an educational podcast. I'm sorry, you can't. It's it's false now. Um, newsies. Newsies, newsies. Uh, we're all new... Sorry, pun intended. It's terrible. Uh, to this film. Um, but, but I hope you... I, I don't know. Though I remember you posting about it a few weeks ago and just sort of some... At least a fascination with it. And so that was... I was like, oh, okay. I think Hope would be a great uh, guest for this episode then. What What was it? What drew you into the film? And what sort of got you got you in that zone? Well, this is, I mean, it's its a little bit of like a chaotic story, which is that I am a longtime open, transparent fan fiction reader and writer, like right. since, since let's say 2003. So <laughs> let's say 2003. Well. <laughs> let's say. And I had, I had seen like in my creepy, you know, corners of the internet, I had seen that like Newsies fan fiction was massive. I had never indulged because I did not know the original property, but I knew that it was very important to a lot of people. And in fact, Ooh. I'm sure you that you were, you were all planning to cover this, but like <laughs> it, it is, it is very common in fan fiction spaces to do Newsies AU of other fandoms. So alternate universe. I, I, I did not know this. I'm not surprised. I am surprised. Well, so that's been my only, like literally my only experience with Newsies, except for one time I was staying with a college friend in New York and I think we got high in our late 20s and she was like, you just have to see this one scene and showed me Santa Fe isolated from the rest of the movie. And I was like, well, I'm never watching that because I don't know what that was. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, the, the person I'm currently dating was like, you want to watch Newsies? And I was like, I mean, like not on a date, but I guess, why not? <laughs> And I just like, I just cackled for like two hours and and he was really surprised by how delighted I was. But what it was, was like putting, connecting the dots from sure. a lot of isolated knowledge I had about various parts of music and finally being like, oh, this is why this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> My, I mean, listen, young, a young Welsh boy doing a early 1900, late 1800s, early 1900s, New York accents. I mean, that's. That is a level 
of unto itself. Uh, of a, a, that's cinema. That's cinema right there. Uh, Newsies. Newsies, Newsies, Newsies. Um, I guess by proxy, the best film directed by Kenny Ortega. Unless we have... He, uh, unless we have some high school musical defenders on the call. I don't know. No, I'm a Hocus Pocus defender. And okay, I will say... Gotcha, yeah. I, I do think that's a quality film. And, uh, and I respect the Ortega. I do. I do. I'm not a high school musical person. I've never seen it. That one I was too old for. <laughs> okay, sure. I, I, high School Musical 2 is a gem of a thing. That Zac Efron bed on it uh, sequence is, a, is an all-timer in my book. Um, but yeah, Kenny Ortega, he was a choreographer for Xanadu, a previous uh, episode. Another mm -hmm. musical theater reclamation project. Um, yeah, he's directed a lot of concert films. He's directed The Descendants trilogy of movies not the not the george clooney film the disney channel original movies um he directed uh that very bad uh version of rocky horror that was on tv a few years oh, yeah. ago um Oof. yeah he directed michael jackson's this is it that's what i'm saying yeah yeah which is an emotional moment in my life i remember this was just like right after he died, which I mean, like I, Michael Jackson, obviously very complicated, polarizing figure, but very important to one of my dear, dear friends. And that movie is very good. Yeah. He's a concert that, film. He's he's a good director of dance. I will give yep. him that. It's like, no, all, I mean, obviously he's a choreographer. So like as a as a as a choreographer, he's great in capturing that moment and in capturing sort of the joy of dance on screen. There is. For me, no question about that. Um, is he the best? Well, yes. Can I? Can, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a thesis. Please, I would also please. Say, I, I would also say Kenny Ortega. Only speaking to Newsies and Hocus Pocus, um, he's really good at writing the line between like, "Is this camp?" I think that's how I feel sure. about Kenny Ortega films. Where I'm like, yes. I think you wanted it to be camp, but maybe knew that you needed to be paid by Disney. Like, I'm not sure what he thinks his movies are. <laughs> but I feel like it's right. It's like a razor's edge of like the debate could go on for a decade. Of right. Better. Sure. I'd, I mean, again, like, is he is he the best person to direct a film about a labor strike? I don't know. Uh, arguably not. Uh, but, but is Disney the best? company to direct well, to produce yeah. <laughs> well, to make a film about that well, is this movie actually about a labor strike i mean that's the question adjacently that's the question so it's more of a backdrop so and so speaking of uh bran uh so yeah so this this film is set in 1899 uh and it is based on a it, it starts off with the text this story is based on actual events uh and i asked our wonderful producer and editor bran moorhead to dig into this event that inspired the film. Um, so, Brent, I'm, I'm going to give the floor to you if there's anything that you'd sort of just like to share about this. Sure. I'm going to talk a little bit about Horace Greeley once we get to the musical, even sure. though they, the opening is around a statue of him. Um, I can have some, I've got some interesting related backstory on that that we could talk about later because he comes up a lot in the musical. For sure. Um, but in 1898, uh, the Span or I'm sorry, a few years before the Spanish-American War, 1895, I believe, um, the the uh, Hearst, William Randolph Hearst, who owned, I believe, the Journal, and then, uh, yes, the New York Evening Journal, and then Joseph Pulitzer, who owned the Evening World, um, like, the, were the top two papers in New York City and having these huge... Um, distribution wars where yeah. they were um, 
they were trying to sell more papers than one another. And obviously, they mentioned a couple times in the show how war sells and stuff. But uh, sure. uh, the term yellow journalism, which refers to like the sensationalism um, used to sell more papers or media or whatever, what have you, uh, was made up in this time about the two of them because they would have such outrageous headlines and pictures of like horrific, um, you know, disasters or whatever. Um, and, uh, uh, and like the kids kind of mentioned like nude and whatever sells more than, um, anything else. Yeah. And, uh, so some of the stuff the movie gets right is there <laughs> was, so after the war, they started, they weren't selling as many papers and a way to make more money was that Hearst and Pulitzer did collaborate to charge the newsies. Uh, to raise the price of the papers that they were sold from 50 cents per bundle of 100 to 60 cents per bundle of 100, which is the numbers they use in the movie and is real, um, which that's cool. Yeah. And um, uh, after the war, they raised this price to to help sell more. Um, they kept it that high, but now the, the newsies weren't selling as many, so they were lacking in funds. Right. Um, it actually started in uh, the 18th of July, so we just passed, like, what, 122 years? Something like that, or something. yeah, that's wild. Um, and uh, 18th of July in Long Island City, not in Manhattan, um, some newsboys did turn over a cart, which was sort of the effective beginning of this strike. Uh, and then they would go on to... Um, get Manhattan and Brooklyn to join soon after. Uh, they were beating up scabs who were being hired in their place. Um, they were, like, distracting the police to uh, that were protecting the scabs at the, at the like, bequest yeah, I of need to know. Uh, Hearst and Pulitzer and then still beating up scabs. And um, <clears throat> they did, however, um, eventually bring in, like, young women to sell, and that, like, helped stem some of the violence in one of the... One of the um, uh, leaders of this, who I'm going to talk about in a minute, had a quote that said, uh, that stemmed the violence because a feller just can't, be, can't soak a lady. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, so, some of the, so they really did have this rally at Irving Hall, as we see in the movie as well. Um, was Meta there? Was Meta there? I, uh, no, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, however, it was sponsored by a Senator Timothy Sullivan, who was like a friend of labor and stuff at the time. And... Um, maybe is the inspiration for uh, Jack Kelly's real name of Francis Sullivan. Sure. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's a weird reference. Uh, but I did have some of the names of the people who attended the rally. Uh, some of the name of the newsies are uh, Warhorse Brennan, Great. Bob the Indian, Crazy Arborn, Racetrack Higgins, Hungry Joe Kernan, and then uh, David Simmons was the real name of uh, one of the two leaders. So wacky names, but uh, the leader that I assume um, Christian Bale is is mostly modeled at, modeled after is this guy named Kid Blink, who they who was a redheaded kid who wore an eye patch. <laughs> Um, I could not find out if that was because he had an injury. I assume it wasn't just for fun. Um, sure. However, I think they modeled the look of a kid in the movie. I, yes, I remember there was him. an eye patch kid he's, in the movie. He's sort yes. of prominently featured. Uh, and then the other leader was uh, David Simmons, who is... Um, Southboy King. I am uh, the inspiration for <laughs> Davey, whatever Davey's last name is. There, there, was, um, there wasn't a kid named Crutchy there? There wasn't a kid named Crutchy there uh, that I saw anyway. Uh, 
there was, however, a trolley strike going on in Brooklyn, so maybe that was part of the um, inspiration for them. And uh, there's a, and there's like the the ending is a little different. The ending of the of the saga of the strikers is like Kid Blank and um, David Simmons both stepped down from their positions uh, after being accused of taking a bribe. Um, that they both denied. However, they did agree to step down because they felt like it was better for the movement. It didn't really have a leader after that. Also, David Simmons like called for nonviolence at the rally, and they stopped being as violent. And some people would say that maybe that's why the they didn't get quite as many concessions as they wanted. Sure. But that's just uh, that's a whole philosophical argument. And then um, they uh, did not get any price lowered. Um, however, they did get the, um, they convinced Pulitzer and Hearst to buy back as they, as we see in the musical, I think they changed that and that's pretty historically accurate. Yeah. Um, they did disband the union afterwards and real fun fact, child labor in this country was still legal for another 40 years. So that's great. Well, there, I feel like the well, problem in the movie is, is not child labor. I mean, they don't really get into is it ethical, mister? It's more like, stop, stop, stop gouging us, mister. But it's not like this is, this is wrong objectively. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Except for that whole, like, there's the, they like convince all the other child laborers to strike with them. They do. Yes. And that's completely fictional. They you do. Know? They make, they make this child labor look so whimsical. They're dancing in the street and flipping left and right. <laughs> I'll tell. Not, only like a couple of them are missing <laughs> limbs. Yes. Gosh. It is. Can we just like talk? Like, this is a musical. Like, obviously, we're still talking about the movie, but like, this is a, mu- a musical that is like, perf- like, is licensed, is performed pretty frequently when theater can happen. Um, and there's a character named Crutchy, and he's on a crutch, <laughs> and they call they call him a crip several times. It is just. They do change that line in the musical, but in the movie? Way, way prominent. Yeah. Lots of times, in yeah. fact. So, yeah. So, obviously, you know, it is, like, a, a story that you can, like, be as, like, yeah, it's, like, American resilience, what have you. And, obviously, they, like, Disney-fy a lot of it for the film. It was this writing mm-hmm. couple um, and real-life couple, uh, Bob Zudica and Noni White, who wrote the screenplay. And they pitched it to Disney originally as a non-musical film, just, like, as a movie. Uh, and, of course, it was our favorite uh non-problematic uh, fave Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was like, no, nah, it should be a musical. Uh, it should, we, we do musicals here at uh, Walt Disney Studios. We're going to make it a musical. Um, and so for me... Not they, wrong? They, uh, they're not wrong. They do do musicals. And of course, they got their in-house buddy, Alan Menken. Uh, Howard Ashman, of, of course, had sadly passed away by this point. So uh, he teamed up. I think this is was one of his first post uh howard ashman collaborations with uh with jack feldman as the lyricist um and and that's we gotta say like at the very top of this thing uh the song slap the songs are in this show are kind of like because i'm not a huge fan of a lot of like menken's non- Disney Renaissance scores. I don't think they always hit the height of stuff like Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and stuff like that. But his songs here are kind of amazing. I think they're like really fucking catchy and just like just absolute hits. I don't know if I'm I'm alone in that. I would say certainly some gems. No, I mean, 
I mean, I could not, after watching it one time, I could not remember any of the songs. But, right, cool. <laughs> They're samey is my thing, too. They're just kind of samey. A few of them, yeah. They all yeah. sound a lot alike. Yeah, I would agree with that. And also, the context with the Howard Ashman and Jack Feldman transition makes some sense, because to me, it does feel like a, a less lived-in lyric and musical pairing. Not that it's bad. Oh, yeah. It's oh, just oh I mean, I'm, I will... I will never make the like Howard Ashman is like was uh, one of the greatest lyricists ever. Like I will never like, and I think the best lyricist that Howard Ashman ever that Alan Menken ever had. Um, I just think that like Santa Fe and ca- and especially carrying the banner as an opening number just hit for me. I don't know. I like yeah. I can agree that like King of New York and Seize the Day and the World Will Know like all kind of bleed into each other. Mm-hmm. But I just think that like that song is an opening number and then that song as a triumphant I want song. I yeah. don't know. There's there's something about them that I'm just like these are some of uh some of his uh biggest hits. But Jack Feldman, uh the lyricist, um you might know that he wrote the lyrics for a Barry Manilow song. Uh, Copacabana. I did not know. Why I did not Wikipedia. Name, I did not know that. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. His she na- was. His name was uh, Jack Kelly. He was a newsie. Uh, oh, boy. That's, oh, boy. That's, Wait, I have a, whatever, I have a side whatever. question, Ben. Like, right now. I love questions. Right now. Like, yeah. right now, it is 7.57 on Wednesday. Could you sing the opening bar to Santa Fe? Like, do you know it? Like, is it that catchy? I could hum it. Okay, uh, please. Remind me. Do you want... I am blanking. Um, S- Santa Fe. Do, 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 da, 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 okay. okay, thank you. Da, 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 da. Okay. Well, listen. I am not. I am not a, uh, a thin, muscular uh, New York theater actor, so I don't know the lyrics uh, to Santa Fe. <laughs> like, his, Newsies was fucking catnip for young white musical theater actor oh men in New York, like in the early 2010s. Yes. Like, and those who love them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying like, uh, yeah, like that was like, that must've been like the open calls for newsies um, in the 2010s must've been a fucking, uh, I can't even imagine. Uh, what a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> that's the scariest. That's the worst place I can think of is like Ripley Greer full of callbacks for race or somebody else. I don't know. Blind Diamond. Muggsy <laughs> McGee. Yeah. If we look at some of my other names I didn't yeah. mention. Um, but then, so, yeah, so of course, so, so that was, did that kind of answer your question? Hope? Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to have, like, personally auditioned with it as, like, your song. I just more meant, like, <laughs> I just meant, like, on, in the spur of the moment, if it was, if it was memorable enough, because I did, I truly did not find it that memorable, but I That's think I'm in the minority, because my friend, Momo Quinn, who made me watch it when we were high, like, loves that song. I, I, I know a lot of people love that song. Yeah, I mean, and not all the songs are hits, and I'll guarantee you that Alan Menken agrees because they pretty much rewrote the character of Meta for the musical. So here, yeah. so here she's played by Anne Margaret, um, who you, sure. you, oh no, you might know her as the mom from Tommy the movie. 
Yeah, I know. It's um, like, I'm just like, I can't believe Anne Margaret's in this film. It's I, very, I, I was like, what? I couldn't <laughs> believe that Robert Duvall was in this film. Okay, are we going to talk about what Robert Duvall is doing? Because I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, I have never seen a Robert Duvall. What is he doing? What bad. is he doing? It's bad. It's bad. And it's also like, at first I was like, maybe he thinks he's in a different movie. And then I was like, oh no, he just for sure he's in a different movie. Yeah. I was like, he's doing kind of like a Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life a little bit. Like, sure. Mostly just bad. Mostly just like walking through it, sleeping. Also, why won't Christian Bale wear a hat? (laughs) All the other newsies are wearing hats. He wears a hat. He's called, they call him Cowboy because he's got like a cowboy cowboy hat. (laughs) He's going to Santa Fe. Oh, right. Land of the Cowboys. <laughs> sure. I guess. Yeah, I guess this wasn't like contemporary Santa Fe. This is Santa Fe in like the early 1900s, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Couldn't tell mm-hmm. you. I, I wasn't. I didn't live back then. Um, it was the West. But so, okay. Christian Bale. Let's talk about Christian Bale because he's a cutie. I mean, okay. Okay. It's never, never, yes. never been my yes. thing, but I do think that this movie, again, hits different if you were like really young when you saw it. Because I have to say, seeing For it sure. in my 30s, I was like, that is a human child. And it's fine. But like all of my <laughs> friends were like, oh, isn't Christian so hot in that movie? And I'm like, I think the window for me to feel that way is long, long closed. Um, he was 18 when he, was, he came he out. Was he was technically legal. I'm just saying, I felt like breastfeeding him more than having sex. That's what I'm trying to <laughs> wow. say. Like, he, that, That's its own kind yeah, of horny for yeah, sure. Like, that <laughs> boy needs a mom. And also, I have to bring this up because I always bring it up when it comes up with Christian Bale. Do we all know that Gloria Steinem is his stepmother? Because it's very important. I know. Yes. Wild. It's so important. Yeah. So Christian Bale uh, famously does not like this movie. He does not like that he was in this movie. Um, also, I think his singing is fine. I think he's, I think he's good in it. Yes. I think he's overall good in it. Yes. It's a bummer he doesn't like it. I bet it's just like a scary spot in his brain. You know what I mean? Like 17 years, 17, 18, making this fucking musical yeah. with all these other like professional child, child dancers. But, but you know what? And then it flops. I know, but the, he like, he dances what he does what he needs to do as a mover yeah he does what he needs to do as a singer he does what he needs to do as an actor especially i would say obviously he's the best of that of the three sure but like yeah i i think he christian who i know listens to this podcast i know he listens every <laughs> week and he's so been so excited for the season for us to revisit this episode hey buddy you're good in this movie. Don't worry. Don't be, not, movie. Don't be scared bad. of it. No, it's not that bad. Yeah. Although I will say, yeah. like, okay, but here's the thing that always comes up with Christian Bale's dancing in this movie. And it came up last week at Parsons when we were talking about it in my friend group. Do we all know about okay. Swing Kids? Like, he danced again. He did another I, dance movie. It's not like he was, good, like, great, so, good. It's not like he was so scarred. Like, I think there's this, like, apocryphal, you know, whatever, internet theory that he, like, thinks he was a bad dancer and singer but he did it again so like it can't have been that dramatic it but it was like soon after right it was kind of like almost in succession with yeah it's 94 i think i think it's 94 he plays a dancing nazi and it's very important (laughs) swing kids i've never even heard of this but but then obviously like uh eight years later it's sort of like the the boy to man thing like he stars in uh american psycho and then that's sort of like oh okay this is christian bale now Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I just don't know that we can say for sure that he like hates his own dancing as much as we we've decided he did. Maybe there's another reason he hates this movie. Maybe he hates the plot. Maybe he's anti-labor. 
Uh, we don't know. He did yell at we that. He yelled at that lighting guy during the maker of the Terminator movie. I don't he know. He did. I don't know. They were filming in a desert, and the guy, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm almost attempted to side with him on that one, but who knows? Sure, Hard I, to say without being there. I want you off the fucking set, you prick. I'm sorry. No, don't just be sorry. Think for one fucking second. What the, the fuck are you doing? Are you professional or not? Yes, I am. Do I fucking walk around and rip that? No, shut the fuck up, Bruce. He's a, he's a fascinating actor. Like, looking mm -hmm. at, like, where, where he has come, like, as an actor, it's kind of wild to look at his filmography. Because, yeah, obviously he, like, he's sort of, like, floating around. He's in Pocahontas. I forgot he's in Pocahontas. Yes. Yes. Right after this, uh, I guess? Soon after this. Yeah. He he's the, like, young soldier who... He, he's the friend of... Can't, who, like, can't hold his shit and pulls the trigger. He's, Mel, he's Mel Gibson's best friend in Pocahontas. Ooh. Yeah, he's Mel Gibson's best is friend. Is Mel Gibson John Smith? Because this is brand new information. Yes! <laughs> yes! yes. Yeah. I didn't realize. What? I haven't, I haven't been revisiting Disney. Oh, wow. I guess yeah, no... I mean, like, yeah, terrible. Wow. It's just like, no, thank you. No, thank you, Pocahontas. I already know thank you to Pocahontas, but you got us kind of, as, as as a Jew, you kind of have to extra no thank you, Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Go ahead, let me um, But then, yeah, yeah, so he played Laurie in that the famous 1994 Little Women. I think he's great in that, too. Um, but so, so yeah, then he he's in Velvet Goldmine, the Todd Haynes. Okay, film, I know Velvet, Velvet Goldmine. Gold don't let's not like just brush by that. Like we don't have a lot of things. No, I hey. I'm just saying. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> I mean, because there are so many films you can dwell on in his career, so I don't want to like dwell on too many of them. So yeah, obviously American Psycho is like oh shit, here's Christian Bale. Um, and then obviously uh, his biggest hit after that was the English dub of Howl's Moving Castle <laughs> as Howl. Oh uh, obviously that was worse. Yeah, but no, yeah, but no. So then obviously Batman. So then Batman is like, okay, great. Here's Christian Bale. He's Batman. Mm -hmm. It's this new take on the material. Here we go. Um, he's in Prestige, so he's even further in the Nolan pocket. Um, he gets his Oscar for the Fighter. Um, which is a fine movie. I don't think it's anything special. Um, it's a fucking David O. Russell movie. It is what it is. Um, then he's in American Hustle, which is one of the most worst movies uh, ever made, in my opinion. I think that movie's not good. Um, he's in the big... Then he's like... He's becoming like an actor with a capital A in the last decade, I would say. You know, he's taken on these really big acting roles like art uh, like fucking like oh he's completely transforming his body exactly, too you know yeah well i mean he was doing that back in the fucking what was that the, the machinist the machinist yeah the that famous movie where he like starved himself and i'm never a fan of that i'm never a fan of like fucking like pushing your body to like really unhealthy limits for performance um, like i think that's he, he yeah. also boxes in again swing kids um and i would say he but um there's an important yeah, I, I, okay hope's hope's favorite movie is swing kids apparently i didn't know that it's, it's not um it's not uncommon knowledge but um but no i will i do i do ride really hard for this movie and he does he does, I think all the DNA of his later performances are encapsulated in it in a way that even in movies, they are still embryonic. I would say that. Interesting. I would say that. Interesting. Okay. But, but then, yeah, he's playing like, so like in the big shorts, he's playing Michael Burry. who's kind of like a strange character performance. Obviously in Vice, he's fucking like, 
old Dick Cheney, and that's a mm-hmm. uh, that's literally like a, a ham sandwich of a performance. Um, he's very good in Ford v Ferrari, the greatest dad movie he's ever very made. Good in that like movie. it is good like, movie. It is it is a good movie. If you're a dad, it is your favorite movie ever made. <laughs> but it is legitimately a good movie. And now I didn't realize he's in a fucking Marvel movie. He's gonna be in the new Thor movie. Right. Oh god! I was, I was like, it's, you, it's, well, thanks. It's been nice to know you. It's Christian literally, Bale. it's literally like maybe like twenty names of like famous actors who haven't been in a Marvel movie. And I thought Christian was on that Thor list. Thor: Love Kills or whatever it's called. Thor: Love and Thunder. I don't know. Love and Thunder. Who the hell? I feel like that movie's never gonna actually happen. <laughs> It feels like a made up, like just a just a uh, publicity stunt he, that they're like, oh, next year. A He's playing a joke. I would say it is. Yes, 100%. exactly. Frank. He's playing a character named Gore the God Butcher, so that's fun, I guess. Wow, great! <laughs> I look forward to the period after the Marvel movie, which always happens with all these, especially when they're like from the UK, but like especially the British actors. No offense, Ben, but like they always go back. <laughs> And they make like a really grainy, like shitty, like Dogma ninety five, like local thing with some like oh my God. kid yes. director from Wales. He's gonna be like, uh-huh. I'm going back to my roots, and I'm gonna like prop up this horrible twenty two year old with his horrible movie, and it'll go to like one festival, and everyone will be like, that's what he did with the Marvel money, you know? He's like a real artist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what Rob, I feel like I brought this up so many fucking times, but like that's what Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart essentially did after Twilight. They like yeah. took all that money and kind of like kept art how similar sim- cinema alive for the next decades um and we have to stand as the kids say. now that's that's a generous mm-hmm. reading of the lighthouse because for me the lighthouse was just <laughs> about men oh. masturbating but i understand what you're saying i mean the lighthouse is about i love the lighthouse but it is about men masturbating yes. you're not wrong like, the two are not mutually exclusive what i love about it is that the, yes. the subjects became text where it's like that's what most of those movies are but finally it was like we were allowed to see the jizz you know instead of it being figurative it was just literal <laughs> men jerking off uh, Another great actor who is in Newsies, who is not Christian Bale, uh, is Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman! I was uh, waiting yeah. for this guy. Yeah, he plays Brian Denton, uh, who's a reporter, uh, and he's very good. He's very, I think he's, he's a charming as hell actor. I love him whenever mm-hmm. he shows up. Um, and he's very good in this. Okay, so I... It's a good period for him. Yes, I was not aware that this movie included him at this time, because I will say, like... Obviously, Dad and Casper is seminal for a lot of people, myself included. Like, Dad. <laughs> of course, yeah. You know what I'm sure. Saying? But then even more than that, like, yes, he plays the Baxter, like the man that men, Meg Ryan leaves in Sleepless yes. in Seattle. But he also plays the lead in While You Were Sleeping, which is my personal favorite because it's set in Chicago. And he is mm. so incredibly zaddy and sexy. And it's so against type in that movie. And I didn't know that he was going to show up in Newsies in that like early 90s moment and I like really lost my mind like it was like it was like a teen girl seeing Elvis I like lost it I didn't know Bill Pullman has been called the Elvis of the 1990s. <laughs> this is true. I've heard this <laughs> frequent occasions. No, yeah, this is literally the year before Sleepless in Seattle. Where, yep, yeah, yeah, I brought up, yeah, the Baxter. We brought up that term in the Wedding Singer mm-hmm. episode, I think. Um, I think so. But yes, um, great, Gracie, great use of the term hope. Uh, thanks, I understand you. you on a whole new level, and I, I, we love that for us. Um, but yeah, so like you said, Bran, like the the film kind of but not really follows like the actual 
history of what happened in the in the Newsy strike. Like it's it sort of it's almost like a, a Cliff Notes version of the historical events. They obviously they like with a, with a grand finale that didn't exist. Yes, with exactly. Teddy Roosevelt uh, exactly. with Theodore Roosevelt well, oh my himself. God. <laughs> What is up with the Teddy Roosevelt stuff? It's so strange. Especially in the musical. The musical, it's outlandish, the Teddy Roosevelt mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... it it's And it's this interesting... And I, you really remark on this in the musical, again, because I think the musical is, really improves on the material. There is this interesting... Um, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think there's this very interesting thing about the individual self versus the collective. And especially for the character of Jack Kelly, he's uh, try- like thinking about his own dreams of going to Santa Fe and sort of weighing them against the collective uh, labor efforts in this union strike. Um, I think a, a better, more like, interested writing team might have dug more into that but for me that is one of the more interesting themes of just newsies as a property and and as an emotional arc for the character of jack um so i don't know i like that well i didn't think about that i did think of the teddy roosevelt insertion as like a desperate reclamation to be like there were also good republicans like i really oh of course oh of course it's like this is a bipartisan film in this in like the strictest sense where it's just kind of like lest we go too far with you know democratic principles we also have a little head nod to history's toxic well pulitzer was a democrat yeah 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 so like you know right right but i just mean like they have to include both it's like you got to have both titans of industry i'm not saying (laughs) ones that are the other i'm saying in disney's political calculus they were like we're representing (laughs) both sides oh yeah no i mean like even like in a in a film and a property about yeah like like the workers rights yeah they of course have to be like yeah as long as you have good people in charge then then it's gonna be okay don't you worry friends and fam right there are good titans of industry mm-hmm. and nobody's a robber baron like it's pretty simple <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, what else is there, really? Because I feel, again, like, what's... Kids smoking cigarettes? Pretty cool. (laughs) Pretty cool. Love that in the early 90s. Again, huge, huge hat budget. Huge vest budget. Huge, uh, huge paper paper budget. Lots. You better be. (laughs) Yeah, I, again, I hope there was a lot of recycling going on. Because there was a lot of... Doubt it. Lot of, I, I doubt it too. There's a lot of papers being ripped up, a lot of papers being thrown around, um, a lot of madness happening in that realm. Okay, it didn't occur to me until right now, but how much of like Mumford and Sons aesthetic can we trace back to this movie? Like there is a certain like age that came of like came of age, you know, and then I think subsequently maybe had some sartorial nods to maybe this movie. <laughs> I mean, this is like a perfect like millennial film if we're thinking in like generations, yes. right? Like this is like early nineties. Like yeah. this is like peak mm-hmm. as the, the, that fucking term geriatric millennial. I feel like this mm-hmm. hit like right in that zone for them. A hundred percent. Like a hundred percent. There is something very like, oh, there's something about those stupid hats and those stupid vests that I feel like still informs <laughs> a lot of people's wardrobe choices. Hey! That's all the songs. Hey! <laughs> oh! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Energy! News! <laughs> News! 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Newsies did say a cab. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's wow. so that's wow. good. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I mean, Disney did the Newsies did, um, but there's I, I'm just uh, picking picking this like all stuff I like. I like in Kid of New York, the number ends with a kid spinning on a ceiling fan. That must have been yeah, wild cool. to choreograph. Wow, yeah. yeah, that's a cool moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the meta songs in the movie are totally forgettable. Yeah, um, well, I mean, and that's the thing. Uh, so yeah, they completely scrapped them. Yeah, I feel. I think those are the only songs that they scrapped for the stage adaptation. Um, and then, of course, this uh, this movie was a uh, it, it was a not a hit at the Razzies, but it got a bunch of Razzie nominations. That year, and it won for best original songs for "High Times, Hard Times," which is the song that Meta sings at their rally that she's helping them host. And I'll agree, mm. not a good song. I'll, I'll agree. Nope. Also, it's like a, it's sort of a ripoff of. Um, it reminded me so much. It wanted so badly to be like one of Nancy's songs in Oliver. Like, like sure, it's a fine yeah. life. Like sure. it's, it's a fine life light. Like that's what it is. She should just be singing. It's a fine life. <laughs> We get a Jeffrey DeMunn sighting. I always like that as the dad of Davey. Sure. And, and Max Casella is in this, um, who's a great uh, character actor. He's one of, he's a newsie as well. Uh, he pops up here. Um, and then what's, uh, what's the pit boss guy's name? Michael Lerner plays. Sure. Um, yeah. I like that guy. Like when he's in a movie. Yeah, some good, some good character actters in good this. Character. Not yeah. Robert Michael Duvall. Car- Robert Duvall is not doing no. good character work in this movie. I will say this for Robert Duvall's performance is that he did his research, how he's always got this magnifying glass out on top of his glasses <laughs> and how at the end they open the window and he's like, no, the sound, the sound yeah. is because Pulitzer was going blind at the time <laughs> and had super sensitive hearing to any loud noises. So he's like leaning into that. He even tells people like, be quiet, like several times. Like he's leaning into those really, those historical uh, facts. Wow, Very maybe funny. I need to reevaluate. No, it still sucks. He still no, sucks no, really no, no, bad. No, 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 no. He's still bad. Um, they all write that headlines don't sell papes, newsies sell papes. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Put the, the power is in the working class. Yes. Don't you... Fucking forget it, Newsies. Yes. Um, uh, I don't know. It's it's just I don't know. It's such a fun idealized version of uh, labor class struggle and child labor, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it is lit. I mean, it is the epitome of a Disney film, right? It is like taking something, especially in history, that is like so serious and so nuanced, and just being like, yeah, but it's these kids who dance. Uh, so, yeah. like, that's it is. Um, also, like, fuck if you're not a guy in this movie, because like, uh, and if you're not meta, because sure. like, there's like. Uh, Jack has like a female love interest who might as well just be like a brick wall. Like there's just like oh, no, man. there's just like nothing to nothing. any like except for Meta. Like no female and, and the nuns in the beginning. I guess I don't know. <laughs> okay, but okay. Here's what I have to say, and Ben, you might have seen it on Twitter because I tweeted extensively about it. But one of my high school friends got in touch when I was tweeting about watching Newsies to send me this piece in The Baffler by someone named Sarah Marshall that's called The Afterlife of Newsies. And it's all about how teen girls like reclaimed Newsies immediately because they were sort of the unintentional audience. Like Disney was like, here's a kid's movie. And then everyone was like, this is bad. And then teen girls were like, but we're horny. And they like totally (laughs) reclaimed it Uh for like 20 years. And again, going back to fan fiction, like wrote 
so much fan fiction about this freaking movie. And I will say that that is not to be reductive. That is something that tends to happen in the absence of a strong female character. Like I think sometimes sure. it's, it's, it's incorrectly analyzed sometimes I think as like straight women fetishizing gay relationships. And I think often it's actually about a lack of a strong female character that they can self-insert. And so that's what this movie essentially is. I mean, the, the, the primary relationship is between Davy and Jack. And so anybody looking for a romantic thread is going to go there. And yeah, what's her face? The sister is just a beard. I mean, their kiss at the end was embarrassing. Um, so I recommend anybody yeah. read, like anybody should read this really great piece on The Baffler called The Afterlife of News by Sarah Marshall. We'll, 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 we'll put in we'll the link. link. It. Yeah, we'll link it. We'll do. We'll do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we can also link the definition of what was your word? Agoraphobia? Oh, or... oh uh, an- anthrophilic? That was from a, a non-binary friend wanted me to stop using the male gaze. And I was like, but I need a formal term. And so that's mine. That's the sure. ultimate. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think, Bran, you you summed this up perfectly. I saw you you called this the like the definition of a three-star movie. Like, yeah. It's like, it's totally fine. Yes. It's got some parts that are great. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but most of it, it's just like, yep, yep. That was a movie. It's not even like, it's a little over two hours. It's not that bad of a yeah, long time. It's, it, it is, it is like a fantastically fine movie. Like it isn't like Some good numbers. Yeah. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing like bad enough to say it's not worth your time. There's nothing glorious enough to like reclaim it as this like lost masterpiece. I just think there's just like, there's good stuff happening. There's fine stuff happening. It's, I don't know. Yeah. There's a guy from Lost, the television show. Oh, sure. Kevin Tiga plays, uh, or Tige, I don't know how to say his last name, plays uh, Snyder. He's uh, he's the original Sawyer. He's the guy who, Anthony Cooper, who like fools John Locke into believing he's his dad and gets Sawyer's parents to kill himself. He's a good actor. It's Love. nice to see him around. Love that for him. I don't know. Sorry. There's a really buff child in the montage of uh, them passing out the workers' paper, you know? Sure. Just an incredibly buff nine-year-old or something, you know? Uh, J- Christian Bale looks very cute when they force him to be a newsie at the end. He's in, like, a little suit with a, ha- a bowler hat. He looks very cute. Mm-hmm. Looks good. Yeah. Sorry. I like when he... I like that there's a lot of fighting in it. There's, like... Sure. That, this was... One of my complaints to the musical is, like, yeah, there's dance fighting, but, like... They could have just done some cool stage combat for a bit, you know? They beat the shit out of people. Yeah. Uh, Hope, any final thoughts on Newsies as a movie? So I'm sorry, I was just I was just me- messaging you. I thought my mic went out temporarily. I think that's back. You guys are good. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Just wanted yeah. to test. Okay, cool. Newsies as a movie. No, thank you. You're okay, thanks. Good. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on Newsies as a movie. I would say as a person who recently, who is 32, was born in 1989 and should have seen this movie a lot sooner... If you oh, sure. are of a certain generation, run, don't walk, because a lot of things will make sense once you fill in that cultural gap. <laughs> like, again, like, I wish I'd seen it sooner just as, like, a completionist. Like, for, for like, reasons oh, sure. of understanding my peers, I wish I'd seen it sooner. Um, I also will say that, like, while I agree with the three-star analysis completely, it's not, like, good or bad, I think it's fascinating and bears, like, deeper scrutiny. And one day when I have the time, I want to watch it, like, and more times because there are so many truly inexplicable choices that I, I can't sure. even begin to parse. Um, and I'm kind of like obsessed yeah. with its bad choices. <laughs> I I could uh I can absolutely see that. Yeah, there are there are some less than good choices, I would say. Um you're not you're not wrong. Again, like I just think 
it, I mean, it is like a step up from a Disney original, Disney Channel original movie, honestly. I think, and which obviously Kenny Ortega would go on to direct many of those. And I think it's just yeah. like from, yeah, from a craft perspective, I don't think it's really anything special. I don't think like he, the, the, the cameras handled it any interesting way. I don't think like, like from a cinematography standpoint, again, like I'm not saying no one, like there weren't talented people working on this. I just think like at the end of the day, just there isn't really anything to write home about from a craft perspective. I think it's like they, they film what needs to be filmed. They, they capture what needs to be captured and it's shown in the way it needs to be shown. There isn't really anything extraordinary about the thing. At least it's like shot in wide and like yes, there's some it, tracking during like the I said, Like you I said, like I said, yeah, mean? like it's he, not edited all the shit. No, he knows how to film dances. Like I will yeah. always, I will say that about uh, Monsieur Ortega. Yeah. I would yeah, I would agree. I think it's competently uh, made. Competently made is the term I would use. Yeah. <laughs> Competent, yes. So yes. Three stars. <laughs> three stars. Uh three out of five. Did either of you ever have a, a paper route as a kid? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I did nah, me neither. I did uh I did draw, this is tangentially related, I drew pol political cartoons or just, and just like cartoons in general for my college newspaper. Cool. Okay. Um, That's very cool. And they were, some of them were heavily edited. <laughs> they were like, you're going, you're going sure. too far with these. Oh my God. And I was like, I don't think I am. <laughs> I just think you'll win. You could go further. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, so Newsies, uh, it came and went, it uh, walked hard, flopped hard, um, and a little, just about 20 years later, they musicalized it. Which again, like, it, again, like this, there was this building appreciation, love for like, yeah, these, these cute young boys singing about their cute young child labor, <laughs> uh, singing and dancing and spinning and carrying that, their banner. Uh, and then uh, in 2011, they premiered this at the Paper Mill Playhouse in Milburn, New Jersey, um, in what was uh, considered to be a pre-Broadway tryout. Nothing was announced, but it was like the next big Disney theatrical project. So they were like, oh, Newsy. Okay, that because as we remember last week, they, they flopped hard with Little Mermaid. Like, Disney theatricals was... Really not in a great place. They'd had because obviously, like uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Beauty and the Beast had closed. Lion King, of course, is still uh, king of Broadway. Um, Mary Poppins, of course, was doing well. Tarzan flopped hard. Little Mermaid flopped hard. Disney theatricals is kind of on the down and out it, when it comes to newer projects. Um, and so, yeah, maybe they were just like the, again, the mental math of wherever they were at, where they were just like, oh, animated adaptations are not working right now. Like Tarzan didn't do well. Little Mermaid didn't do well. Let's like, it is kind of that just like, let's just like try it. Like we talked about with Mary Poppins, where it was just like, it's a property that we're not super precious about because again, this thing was a flop. So we can really just do what we want with it. Like outside of like, the general plot and the songs, at least the big like newsy songs, there isn't a lot of like nostalgia for like men. Yeah. There isn't a lot of nostalgia for high times, hard times, you know, it's <laughs> like, um, like they can really mess with this thing in a way that let them take some like 
uh, creative swings, if you will. Um, so and so that's or again, like, and we this came up on the Xanadu episode where it's like it can be really like freeing to take a project. I mean, like, and I think I argued this on the Xanadu episode where it's like sometimes it can be better to adapt a project that wasn't loved initially because again, there is no sort of nostalgia. There's no uh, like overt like l l mainstream love for the original material. So like. If you change things, if you mess with things, there isn't going to be, like, a huge backlash, right? So I think that's kind of the success of Newsies as a musical, that they were kind of... I don't really want to say fearless, because, again, it's fucking Disney at the end of the day. Yeah. But it's like, they, like, at least were like, let's try different stuff um, with this adaptation. I wonder if part of the calculus was, you know what's less expensive than vines and, like, <laughs> gorilla puppets. costumes? And fish puppets. And fish yes. puppets. Hats. Vests and hats, <laughs> exactly. Paper. And then somebody was like, and kids smoking? And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, now we have to put depict, depictions of tobacco use on a, on a rating, so we can't do that. Yeah, and I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be, what's the right word, uh, annoying but uh the but but i i will say <laughs> that i i'm not gonna take issue with what you said ben but i have to like clarify because my perception of music please was not like i i learned recently that it was a, a theatrical flop obviously um but i i didn't know that because of the robust like live journal tumblr life of newsies and so what i think yeah. is really interesting to just just like just to clarify not that it was not a flop i'm not disagreeing with that and not that it wasn't being capitalized because it wasn't nostalgic but it's like for whom is it nostalgic what parts of it sure. are nostalgic and like who, who is making money off of that nostalgia and i think this is intricately linked to the fact that they're going to combine the the sister character from the movie with the bill pullman character for a love interest yes it's intimately connected with why they do that it's like i come on who are they catering no, to I think, now no you're you're absolutely right yeah i think that is I think other than, like, the fact that they, where they were just like, we should put a prominent female character in this thing. I think that'd be nice. But yeah, again, like, you're, you, I think you're absolutely on the money, Hope. You're, you're essentially giving a character for this film's fan base to attach themselves to. Yes. And then they're like, and we'll throw this sop to uh, the African-American culture by making meta black. Now. Yes, you know exactly. What I mean? Like, oh, thanks. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do, but it's like, oh, thank you, Disney. How generous, you know? I did, I did <laughs> notes. And again, like this, it was very unfortunate in the sort of the professionally shot uh, stage version that is available to watch on Disney Plus of the musical. There is like one black newsie. Yes. And at the end of and Seize the Day, he is literally the furthest back that you can place an ensemble member <laughs> in that group. I was yeah. just like, come on! I know, and there seems to be like one person of like Asian descent or, you know, Pacific Islander descent, yeah. and that's about it! And some arsehole can be like, oh, well, it's set... Short Italian guy. They can be like, oh, it's set in 1899 in New York, and I'm like, it's a musical! Also, that's it's not... It's a musical! That's historically accurate, but that's the other thing, too, is like, we, yeah, we well, whitewashed yeah, I mean, history, yeah, obviously, yeah. like, 1899, right. yeah. it was plenty diverse in New York. It was... Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Um, but anyways, but anyway, uh, but yeah, I hope you're absolutely right. Yeah, again, they, they obviously, yeah, there's stuff, 
there was stuff that they were nostalgic for and that they weren't nostalgic for. And so obviously they were like, okay, well, what's the stuff that the live journal crowd's going to go wild for? And what's the stuff that they don't give a <laughs> shit about? And we'll just sure. change all of that. So, um, of course, who who do the live journal uh, teen girls love more than Harvey Firestein <laughs> uh, to come uh, and write oh the book? God. Uh, my oh, God. Oh, my God. David. <laughs> but see, this isn't wrong. As a, as a former live journal and Tumblr girl, this isn't wrong. I mean, the promise of, of Harvey Firestein is that he's going to make it queerer, which essentially, like, this fan base would have been down for. Mm. And I think it's a sure. misunderstanding, actually, of your fan base to be like, we gave them a straight love interest. Like, that's not what I don't think he's <laughs> <laughs> alive so, necessarily getting for. So Harvey Firestein, obviously, like famous uh gravel voiced uh queer actor but also again like got his start as a playwright like it's it's Torch like he is yeah torch song trilogy uh-huh. we we stand we have we to have stand to um and obviously he wrote the book f- i probably i would say his best theatrical musical book is lakaja fall oh my god like um, oh sure like it's a really lovely book um a, a show that i wish we could cover on this podcast because there is a film version of it but it, the musical is still technically based off the play so we can't mm-hmm. cover it on here um but that's a but l- maybe we'll do the birdcage on the patreon one day that, oh, we, lo- we should I again he had nothing to do with that one either that was elaine may and mike nichols um good movie though yeah very good movie and doing a quick um, six degrees here i would say harvey firestein's greatest film role is as robin williams brother in mrs doubtfire so mm-hmm. again another a future episode <laughs> honey i'm so happy i know i love him in that movie um, but yeah, so, uh, he also, he wrote another, he's actually, he's, he's gonna come up later on the podcast, so I don't want to dwell on him too much, because he wrote the book to Kinky Boots, Ugh. um, on a future episode, oh. and he wrote the book to A Cated Affair, another future episode, um, like, he's, he's written quite a few films of stage adaptations, so we don't have to dwell on, on Mr. Firestein for too long, what a life. um, but yes, it, what a, what a guy, what a life, um, but yes, it tried out at Paper Mill Playhouse, um, and clearly the buzz and the reviews were good enough that they brought it to Broadway a year later at the Nederlander Theatre, initially, and again, Disney was, like, hedging their bets, it was initially an, uh, uh, limiting engagement, they were like, it's just gonna be limited engagement, like, we don't know, We've had two shows that have like pretty much like flopped, closing mm-hmm. essentially after a year. So this one's just going to be a limit, limited engagement. Uh, but it was a hit. It was an unabashed hit. It ran for two years, um, which again it did pretty well. Um, it won the Tony. It won Alan Menken mm. as of this date his first and only Tony Award. Wow. Which is wild. Kind of bananas. Like if you like, it's like weird when you really think about it but then you're like yeah i guess beauty and the beast came out the same year as passion yeah and like no one gave a shit about little mermaid <laughs> and <No>. like <laughs> and little shop wasn't eligible exactly so. yeah yeah i would only have been beauty and the beast and like what would he have won for i guess original score but it's not even does well, that count they, they, or would they be adapted it, it's, it's weird it's like if you add a certain percentage of songs of new songs it's eligible so i think it was eligible um, same with like i wonder how do they figure out that percentage is it like based on quarter notes or <laughs> like you know i think it's like actual songs Oh, okay. I think it's like actual like number of songs. Um, Got it. But yeah, so and the thing is that uh, so I'll just bring up uh, who this was against. Uh, 
four score because this was the year of once which is why this didn't win uh best musical because everyone loved once mm. another future episode yeah i was gonna say um another musical that i think is better than the movie hot take coming soon uh but what did what did news and I, I, I remember this being a pretty soft yeah so we got yeah here's what's up uh newsies the four nominees two of them were plays like, there weren't enough original musicals this year that they nominated Ooh. two plays for Best Original Score. Huh. So the other musical nominee, uh, oh my god, uh, was Bonnie and Clyde. Wow. Uh, featuring a, a wonderful uh, Broadway superstar actress who's in the news recently. Uh, oh, is Alice Ripley in that? No, oh. it's not. No, Laura Osnes. Laura Osnes. Oh, Laura Osnes, <laughs> yes. the other musical theater actor oh. in the news in the last week oh. yes um well and actually well, actually god this was a weird year y'all um so yeah so that was the other uh best score nominee uh, bonnie and clyde uh the other score nominees were one man two governors oh. which is a play wow. but it has original songs in it uh and then peter and the star catcher which does have original songs in it. But yeah, oh so they're like, yeah, we'll give it to Newsies. Uh, the other mu best musical nominees, uh, Once, the one that won, Nice Work If You Can Get It, which is just like a fucking Gershwin review. Well, not Gershwin, yeah. it's a Gershwin musical, uh, but it's a Gershwin musical. And then another Alan Menken <laughs> film to stage adaptation, Leap of Faith. Wow. Weird. Very we'll, weird. We'll, uh, this, this, a Steve Martin movie. We'll talk about it uh, another time. Um, I don't know. Broadway's Strange. Broadway's weird. Broadway's, Broadway's fucking weird. weird. Filled with anti-vaxxers that we don't <laughs> even know about. I know. I um, heard from a friend whose show is starts previews tonight that there were protesters outside of the door. <gasps> no! Yeah. Boo! Uh, just, wild. What a just, world, just, folks. Just, just go home! Go home! Literally <laughs> do bored. anything else. <laughs> Watch Newsies on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Without your mask. Protesting a regional theater production on I a Wednesday know. night. Go home! Good lord. Um, but Newsies the musical is good. It is good. It is better than the movie, I think. I th and it is... Here's the thing about Newsies the musical. It is so thrilled to be a piece of musical theater. <laughs> it is so... Per, like unabashedly uh singing and dancing and yes. like bursting at the seams of how much of a piece of musical theater it is it is and it's mm -hmm. it's kind of it's kind of charming it's kind of charming in that weird way yeah they give pulitzer songs you know they do <laughs> they do that a song and a lady assistant now so thank god for that too <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like Nunzio, the guy cutting his hair. <laughs> well, he, well, Nunzio also plays Teddy Roosevelt. Uh huh. That's great. Yeah. That's, a, that's what a cush track in that show. <laughs> Come on, don't say a word except for hold still, please, and then walk off until the end of the show. And come save the day. Be the deus ex machina <laughs> of this play. Um, I, I'll say Crutchy has a... Okay, fucking garbage character, Crutchy. But, like, you get to not be in the dance numbers because your, yeah. your character has a limp. And then uh -huh. you get a very nice song at the top of Act 2 and then you just get to chill backstage for the second yep. act. Until you come back and you're like... 
look, I can walk. No, wait, that's uh, that's uh, uh, a Christmas story or whatever that show's called. <laughs> My God. I actually, I don't know. I didn't look it up and I guess I could, but um, I have a friend who does, who's a New York theater actor and works a lot, um, but has one leg and does a lot of advocacy around like casting disabled actors in disabled roles. Is this one of the classic oh, sure. situations yeah. where they just cast able-bodied actors? Oh, of course. hundred percent. Yeah. He's just like holding his foot sideways, kind of, at least in the live recording. Yeah, I didn't bother yeah. to yeah. actually check great. on his, the actors. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's the, 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 no, act, no. the actor who I'll just fucking leave alone. But yeah, like it's, no, no. It is, yeah, it is, uh, yeah, it is a classic, like, oh, oh yeah. we're just gonna fucking like do this thing. Yeah. Because it's not like there are actual very talented uh, actors with disabilities in the Easily world. Easily play this uh, character. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. People are lazy and boring. Even dancers. Yes, yes exactly. Lazy, lazy and boring. Lazy and yeah. boring. My friend can dance with or um, without a prosthesis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, News the Musical. A lot of projections, a lot of scaffolding. We love that. I kind uh, of love the design, yeah. other than the like hats and vests. But like you know, I sort of love the. Uh, yeah, the like nine screens that all can come down independent of one another and have different images. It's cool. Yeah. Cool design. It's it's cool. Um like you said, meta, they're just like uh they, they make her a black character. They give her, of course, the great line, what better place to escape trouble than the theater? I'm like, okay. Let's... She has like three good jokes though. I like when the guy's like, You're on, and she's like, Oh, how am I doing? Like, that's pretty funny, stupid, no, but funny. Gets... And then what she say at the end, she's like, You got him for free, the least you could do is pay attention like mm. i like that i'm definitely gonna use that sometime <laughs> also at, at, at the end of the show teddy roosevelt's gonna fuck meta right that is yes. that she's a- like why don't you show me this back seat <laughs> i've heard so much about <laughs> I, I like i shot up on my couch like that's the most sexual thing i've seen in a disney product ever maybe <laughs> insane <laughs> I actually thought that like I think that the the not only the song being much better than the other two, but just her having a lot more to do like yeah. makes her a much better character in sure. the musical. It's definite improvement. I'm like I don't know what the psychosexual need for Anne Margaret as the mother figure in the movie was. Like I don't know what sure. the, like I don't know what the people who made the movie thought that character was doing, or if it was just like Anne Margaret sure. really wanted to be in it, so they wrote it for her. Like I'd love to know why yeah. it even existed. But, like, I think given that they didn't write her out, they did a nice job. Yeah. <laughs> With, like, what's the alternative here? Um, and then the yeah. only other thing I was going to say about, like, the thing I kept thinking because I watched them both recently for the first time is that the the film actually feels very much like it's shot on a soundstage, which usually does make for a good play adaptation because it's, like, there's sure. not that many locations. Yeah. There's, like, one lot that's no. New York and then... Yeah, and then Matt and Matt paintings. Right, right, yeah, right, exactly. It's like there's a gate where the nosies are, and then there's a, a tournament where the nosies are, and then they go back. And then there's Irving Hall, and that's, that's about it. it. Pulitzer's it office. It really feels like, yeah, it really feels like they didn't splurge on the locations budget for the movie. So it's like that. That usually makes a good stage show. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah, with sort of the simple, elegant design of just projections and scaffolding. Yeah, it's like. 
Again, it does what I love in plays, where like it gives the audience a lot of, of imaginative agency, right? Mm. It's like yeah. you don't have to worry about the the specificity of it being a New York street. It's like you're getting you're getting enough from these elements yeah. to really sort of like let you know where you are and what's happening. Like mm-hmm. we're not we're not talking we're not talking down to you through our design, which I I do appreciate, like genuinely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I had a really great theater professor who talked about that as sort of like the way that when photography became more accessible, painting became more abstract, like that should, that sure. should happen in the theater. Like if a movie can be realistic, what's the point of like making a theater? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's been my argument for fucking years. Yeah. It's like, like film, mm. arguably film and television have mastered capturing realism. Mm-hmm. So theater needs to go in the complete opposite direction yes. and become much more imaginative mm-hmm. in its presentation. Oh, I um, or use it, use its realism in such an, in, in a, in such a way as to, highlight an element or something. I just think of like David Cromer's Our Town or sure. something like that that uses el- uh, realism almost as like a knife to drive the point home. Ooh, Absolutely. Would you say uh, Brechtian? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> would... no, I think Brechtian's a little... His, the rest of the show is Brechtian. Yes, the rest of Our Town is so, Brechtian. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> we, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Brecht uh, proponent. Me too. Hope. That Me is... too. Yeah, shocking. Okay. Good. Show the lights, you know. Yeah. Go for go us, go yeah. us. Um, we win it, Peter. We're right. Go us. We do. Um. So I know. So I will say, and yeah, like like I said, I do like the songs uh, from the original film. I actually think that the songs that because yeah, obviously Alan Menken and Jack Feldman came back. Uh, they reunited. Um. I I don't. I, I, uh, listeners out there, hold me to this if I'm wrong. I don't believe Menken and Feldman collaborated on another project, um, but they did. They came back and they were like, yeah, let's do Newsies again. Um, and I do think the songs that they add for the show, pretty decent. Like, I'm not gonna, I think they're like pretty nice songs. Uh, That's Rich is a much better meta song <laughs> than either of the ones yes. in the movie. Um, Watch What Happens, the song... Uh, that um, wow, I'm terrible. What is her name? Catherine. The, the yes, Catherine. Palmer. Yes, who is uh Pulitzer's daughter? Inexplicably. Um, <laughs> yeah, we inexplicably. haven't even touched on her at all, really. Yeah, I know. She's, yeah, 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 yeah. Catherine Plummer. Um, I like what. Watch what happens is a nice song. Uh, mm-hmm. not gonna say it's not. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's. They put a big old sforzando forte piano crescendo in at the end of the act one, you know. And once upon it, once or sees the day, they're like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. I always appreciate that, even though it feels sometimes like heavy handed. And again, every well. every fucking. Uh, musical theater bo- tenor boy loves that end of act one. Uh, I done nothing, it ain't got Santa. And then that, that option up the fade. They love that. They love hitting that. They, they really sound like, do. It sounds like lasers, you know, even uh, <laughs> Jeremy Jordan or whoever. He's like, it is yeah, Jeremy Jordan, laser, yeah. laser sounds. And again, like it is, I mean, this is Broadway acting with a capital A. It's like, it oh, is, yeah. it is just fucking Capital Broad. Capital broad. <laughs> Very good. Very yes. good. Uh, but yeah, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that did you know that Hope Rehack's a comedian? Everyone? <laughs> she likes oh. wordplay. Um no, no no. I mean, okay, okay, okay. Here's what I'm gonna say. I know okay, listen, I'm in a I am low-key um downtrodden currently by capitalism. So I'm sorry that I am coming from a cynical place. But I okay. I get de- I get depressed. I get depressed and demoralized. Um 
by that by the acting you're describing <laughs> like i don't know go ahead whatever you're sure. gonna say about it but i'm in a no you're, no place. i was no it is it's literal like catnip it's, a, it's like they're literally they're these broad new york characters <laughs> and they're just mm-hmm. like yeah yeah you got the peeps yeah here you go just like fucking they get to just like oh, yeah. uh just like big old <laughs> gestures and like i'm gonna see the world santa fe yeah i'll be there too <laughs> you know yeah. just like people chiming in from oh, the background also, I gotta say, I like. Bridget! I know, and I was so. Because Brand text. I was on the train today, and Brand texted me, just being like, musical's pretty good. And I was like, twist of the year. What? Uh, yeah. I, I know. I was. For me not to be the cynical be, one for be, once. Because this also contains, uh, I think this is one of your least favorite things, Bran. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, a child. It, uh, a, ch- a, a child on the stage. <laughs> a literal child. And I. And I'll say- it usually is. I gotta say that this this the the kid is feels way less important in the stage show than in the movie. Sure. Um, and it's like I don't know. It's not. It's not. That wasn't as annoying I don't as know. I figured. And I'm sure he's a lovely young boy. Or I mean, maybe he's not. I don't know. Maybe he tweeted something bullshit. I don't know. Who knows? But like he ah, uh, he's just like the epitome of. A child in a Broadway show. <laughs> Just yes. like... Oh my god. And I got... you think he's played Gavroche? Like, how many times did <laughs> sure. he play Gavroche? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> probably in Mat- he was probably in Matilda. He's probably in like I don't know all these fucking shows that they put the kids in these days. Yeah. Something it does contain that I do like though is like sweaty, dirty boys flipping around and being sexy. So many. Fl- I should have counted the flips. That was an so exercise many flips. I should have done. Mm-hmm. How many turns does he do on that newspaper? It is impressive. Yes. Like, it's oh, a, it yeah. is like it has become the signature like image of the musical and, and i didn't realize it's not in the movie which is wild um hope is hope is for the, for the listeners hope is d- on a podcast yes yeah great perfect medium for visual <laughs> jokes um but no it's i mean christopher catelli won the tony award uh for best choreography yeah. for the show too it's good it's well good. deserved it's deserved yeah totally um, I don't know. Uh, the second act is a kind of a letdown. I feel like the first act is very good. Yes, absolutely. I think I texted you that whenever it was at intermission. Sure. Um, the second act has a little more problems. I think that uh, I'm really glad Catherine's there, and it almost works for me. Her being his daughter is so weird. I mean, listen, if completely that's completely unnecessary, it's not just that you get Catherine as being Pulitzer's daughter, but then the, again, like I'd say, like beat for beat. I mean, it's interesting because it does that thing that we love to talk about in these episodes, where it takes the movie and it pretty much just flattens it out. But I think it works here because I think there's just like a lot of shoe leather in the film yes. that really bogs it down. So I, honestly, I do not understand his deal with Pulitzer in the movie no. at all. I like backed it up and I was like, wait, what are the terms of this strange thing? And in the movie, yeah. in the musical rather, it's very, very clear. And like them seeing him getting the cash is like, I don't know. Yeah, I think that being like very overt. Yeah, I, I like I don't like again, like I don't think this is one of Harvey Feierstein's best written projects. No, but not. like I think for the purposes of a Disneyfication of this story of a labor strike, I actually think a flattening of the plot does it yeah. favors, which is such a weird thing to say to be like, oh, making it less complex is actually a boon to this thing. But I think yes. it's actually the case. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. I that's interesting because going back to our uh, pretentious breath discussion, which I was always going to start for that. I'll be honest with you. you don't please, know this about me, please. But I was going to do that. Is that like I, I guess okay? So like I'm not arguing the merits of, of the musical. That's not what we're here for. Like I I'm I'm still it's too fresh. I have no opinions on like sure it, its merits as a musical. I should probably should have cooked on it a little more. But I do think <laughs> that's that, okay. Like, I do think there's like in both film and movie just generally like and again let me just be clear that my feelings about Brecht and political theater are entirely whole cloth stolen from Tony Kushner I just feel exactly the way about these things as Tony Kushner told me to feel so let me just say (laughs) that first off like both movie and musical like don't lead you I don't think they lead children or people or viewers necessarily to be like labor is a great idea and like I need to go out in the streets and do it and I think it has like a patina of being almost like pseudo activism or like we're gonna get you out of your you're gonna get your so jazzed that you're gonna go out into the streets and i i don't feel that way about either either movie or musical like i just don't think no no at all like remotely no i feel like that's i feel like that's people putting that on i don't think the the either property it's textual at all you know i'm sure that disney would prefer people to think that yeah no i think Oh, sorry. Brand said something earlier that I just really thought was really thoughtful, but you said something about like the, the labor part is like set dressing. You said something like that. And I was like, that's exactly what it oh, is. Oh, totally. Like that's all it is. Yeah. In my opinion. They could be a sports team or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, and just change it here and there. And like, yeah, yeah no, it's a it kid is. wanting, it's a kid, it's kids banding together to overcome. It could be hook. Like, oh, I was sure. just pretty close. I was thinking of hook. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up hook. That's like, so the vibe. Yes. Yeah, no, it is. It is definitely like you. It's it is fascinating that it is using a such a politically volatile situation mm-hmm. to create what is arguably a very apolitical piece of entertainment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like, yeah, like there is no sort of like actual acknowledgement of like the pros of union organization and no. like yeah it's which no. is, but also i was gonna get to this earlier it is not only bananas that they like have this thing where Catherine is the daughter of pulitzer but then when you get to the sequence where they're like printing their own newspaper you get like the son of william randolph hearst is there and then like yeah. the son of like the owner of the trip is there it's like so that's actually yeah a perfect segue yeah. because oh yeah Horace greeley yes. started the trip in 1841 so with the new york tribune that's not related to the chicago tribune yeah, blah, 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 blah. but um horace greeley started that paper in 1841 um he was a member of the whig party sure. uh, you know your political history uh he ran for president and got utterly destroyed by ulysses s grant because ulysses s grant had just i don't know won the civil war pretty much single-handedly sure. um so people were like into him um and he uh he was one of the early starters and maybe came up with the name for the Republican Party, Horace Greeley. Oh. And he had the saying um, his that they mentioned pretty overtly in um, the musical of his big saying that to try and convince people, and a lot of this was through his paper, to... Uh, for westward expansion, like move to California or Santa Fe, mm. was go west, young man, and grow with the country. Mm. And that was what he was sort of trying to push. Mm. And he was like a Jeffersonian. He was incredibly staunchly anti-slavery. He was a utopian uh, foyerist, which is like a a sect of sort of um, social beliefs. And um, later on, so uh, he was he was dead, I think, by the time the events of the movie 
happen sure. um, or this this story rather happened. So it's not Horace Greeley's kid. Um, and I don't I could not find who was the owner or the head editor of the trib during this period. So who knows who that like ensemble jag off with that line is um, <laughs> supposed to be. But I did think one super interesting thing that's related to the events of this movie, if not to the, the film and uh, musicals, true politics is that. Karl Marx was a the London correspondent for Horace Greeley's huh. New York Tribune. Um, and um, he, mo- like most of his real jobs, he absolutely hated it, Karl Marx. <laughs> and um, he, he once called it a uh, blotting paper vendor. And uh, he was forced to like report on like current economic stuff. And he was, you know, obviously mostly just interested in philosophy. Sure. And, um, and uh, I said about his writings of it that, like, if nobody ever read them again, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> like, so it's just weird, like, historical uh, context there for Horace Greeley, since his statue is the backdrop for the whole first half of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the musical, rather, his statue is the whole backdrop. For well, the... his statue is no. They're they're the opening of the movie. They're oh, like dancing right. in front yeah. of his statue. Gotcha. It's yeah. a statue of Horace Greeley. Yeah. Wild. Um. Yeah. Uh. And then, like, the only other sort of weird and inexplicable thing they add is that Jack is, like, an expert cartoonist, and maybe he's gonna, like, become a political cartoonist. cartoonist, (laughs) and he also paints backdrops. Yeah. Strange, yeah. Whatever. (laughs) He wasn't deep enough, Ben. I know. More depth. And listen, we know that the rep... He has a hobby, okay? I'm also... Yes, yeah, we all, he's a fully rounded person. Yeah, and as we all know, you got to like also like he won't always be a newsie, but it's like yeah, he would have, and he would have died mm-hmm. at twenty. Yes, exactly. <laughs> listen, you got it. Kid Blink died literally at thirty-two. Yeah. Oh my god! There listen, you got to monet, you got to monetize your hobbies, as we all know. That is how oh that's god. how capitalism works. Yeah, that's that's really the secret message of this show is just like good the gig economy. Like you know, if you started drawing stuff on Fiverr, you might be able to really make something of yourself. <laughs> I do low-key think that, though, and I also think it's about, like, telling children that there will always be, like, a happy ending behind the sad ending, like, just in case. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. 100%. No question. Um, and also, just, like, I love that, like, obviously, like, they they save Crutchy from the refuge. Um, yep. uh, good for, and Snyder they, the spider goes to jail. Yeah, well, it's so funny. They're like, ah, you created this prison for children, which is terrible, so we're gonna send you to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll do also, it. It's funny they arrest him, because, like, he was working for the city of New York. Yes. Like, what? He was definitely doing all of that with full governmental approval and probably yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. Yeah. It's strange. Bizarre. It's very odd. Listen, this is not Snyder a this this is not a uh, politically uh, w- this is not a show to wave your political flag for. No. Um, but gosh, is it fun? <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> When is Hook the yeah. Musical coming out? I would like to see it. I don't know. I mean, there's so I'm many. Sure there are so many Peter Pan stage shows anyway. Like, I don't know. Like, do they really want to do a Hook one? Probably. Nostalgia's at an all-time high. Um, sure it's going to come one of these days. Um, newsies. People love it. Um, they're carrying that banner to this very day. It was a hit for the Disney Corporation. Uh, and next week, you can hear us talk about when they finally did get another hit uh, with an animated film. The co- a film that has no cultural baggage, Aladdin. Uh, so that's next week. But, <laughs> but before we go, 
at Hope Rehack. Um, at the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, we ask our guests a very important question. So, Hope, if you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already, uh, what movie would you choose? Okay, so I thought about it extensively. I have really strong feelings about it, and I don't, I can't express them to you in the limited time we have remaining, but you will see behind me um, a record of Yentl. I would say number one, Yentl, hands down. Sure, sure. That has to happen. I think it's underrated, Mm -hmm. undervalued for a million reasons. Freaking great. The thing is, in the movie, only Barbra Streisand sings, even though Mandy Patinkin is the lead. So it's very, like... Ridiculous. It's barely a musical. It's just Barbra Streisand singing the soundtrack. But I think it could be adapted into a stage musical. And I think Lady Gaga could do it. And I think there's a number of people who could do it. Um, it would be fabulous. Well, would you would you not uh, want, like, a Jewish actor in that oh, role? Oh, fuck. I don't care about that. I mean... I care, I, care, I, care, I care about that stuff to a degree, but I also think to the degree that like, like when white people start to like break down who is like, who is like Lady Gaga, ethnically Italian, finally playing a Gucci, like spare me. Like I can't even, <laughs> we could all do Lady Gaga's accent in House of Gucci. Like, I mean, I'm whatever. Okay. There might be, Jew- I sure. am Jewish. I, there might be Jews who feel differently. You are right. I think maybe it's not okay. But come on, Lady Gaga. But and, the, be and, and I will say no. And I will say, listen, because Yentl obviously is is already kind of a pseudo musical. It's got those beautiful Michelle Legrand songs in yes. there mm. already. Yes, yes, it would it would kill. And if you really had to have a new chapter, there's those sisters who did. Well, maybe they're not the Carol King sisters. The Jesse Mueller are they not Jewish? Oh, they're probably not. <laughs> The kid, the I, girls I, who can't, did. I can't do this. I can't verify this in real time. Okay, you. sorry. I'm, okay, not, okay, okay. I'm so sorry. Pretty sure no. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, Pretty never sure mind. not. But they played Carol King and we let them do that. So, you know, that's fine. And then I have to say the tie, I, we don't have time for all my feelings, is burlesque with Cher and Stanley Tucci and Christina Aguilera. Sure, Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Oh, One of yeah. the greatest bad films of all time. If you haven't seen it, run, don't watch. It was on Netflix last I checked. It is astonishingly bad. It would be fabulous. Like, it would be so good. I'm, s- I'm certainly in the Yentl camp. Uh, you might be missing me in the burlesque camp, but you know what? You do you. You're, you are... You are truest to yourself, and that is the the best we can we can really hope for um, in this uh, tragic uh, world of ours. Uh, and that's a good. It has a good question in it too. Papa, uh, can you hear me? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good question. That is a good we love question. Questions. We love questions, and that's a good one. Papa, can you hear me? Um, Hope, it's been an absolute pleasure to dig into this uh, property with you. Is there, I know that the the dreaded claws of capitalism are eating you alive at this very moment, uh, but is there anything that you'd like to plug for our listeners at this moment? That is such a fair question that I should have prepared for. I am doing some stuff, but okay, so I'm on another podcast, but I don't know if that's like proper to advertise. Yeah. Okay, yeah, wait. Sure. The, sure. Okay, so a friend just we're in an, oh, we're in an, oh. Are they about musicals that are adapted from movies? Because no. then, no. <laughs> yeah, we're in an oversaturated podcast market. You can plug whatever you want. Well, I would say weirdly, there is overlap. I think it's called Disney Adult, and it's uh, it's a comedian oh. film, and it's soon to be released, and it's it's adults revisiting Disney movies. Um, and my sister and I were on. Great that that ties in with our season. That, it that does. yeah, sure does. So you guys could do like a cross collaboration. You should all be friends. I'll invite you all to my birthday party. Sure. Oh so yeah, that's Great. it. That's all. It's not my podcast. I'm a guest on it. Just to be clear. 
for sure. And Great. and uh, people should follow you on social media. Oh yeah. If you want them, if you want them to. Yeah, I do. I do actually. Please do. That's fine. It's at Hope Rehack. My last name is R E H A K, and I'm that on everything. Like I'm there. There's a website with that that I pay for. Uh, there's Twitter. There's the Instagram. It's it's. I'm pretty easy to find. Unfortunately for job searching, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well Arr. this was great appreciate you um you. and your, your takes hot mild and otherwise um, so. yeah of course i want to thank uh as always brand molehead for producing and editing this show i want to thank each and every one of you for listening i want to thank emily harrington for our artwork i want to thank m modaf and josh stanley for our kick-ass theme song if you like the show be sure to rate us, review us, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Movie the Musical. If you want to support the podcast and get some sweet bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash Musical and consider becoming a monthly member, where you'll get some fun bonus episodes, where we talk about musicals that have been turned into movies, and other just movies that are musicals. Uh, I'm just going to bring up Annette again, because I know it's in Brand's mind, and they cannot stop talking about that movie. Correct. It's a good time. Uh, I'm a good father. <laughs> I'm a good father. I'm gonna... So crazy. I love it. <laughs> I woke up with that in my head today. Ridiculous. Um, stay tuned next week for Aladdin. Keep on singing. And for the road. Hey, I'm walking here. Hey, Newsies, New York, <laughs> Brooklyn. Pizza, Brooklyn's here. Pizza pie, Brooklyn. Peeps don't sell peeps. Newsies sell peeps. <laughs>